UCB Life Issues. Now, do you enjoy watching scary movies? Or do you find the idea of horror disturbing? Well, in this week's Life Issues podcast, we are looking into the rising popularity of the horror genre and what a Christian response should be to it. Now, a little warning due to the sensitive nature of this episode, you may not want little ears listening. Now, my guests to explore this topic, is it okay for Christians to watch horror, is Ewan Jones, pastor of Bethel Bedworth Baptist Church in South Wales. He also studied theology, doing a master's dissertation looking at the theology of horror. Welcome along to Life Issues, Ewan. Hi, thank you very much. Good to be here. Good to be chatting with you. Can we start at the beginning and exploring what exactly we mean by horror? How would you define the horror genre? Because... Let me just be honest. I find Jurassic Park terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's a great example and that's a great start. So often the, the the conversation about horror becomes immediately taboo when people hear horror films. They think, oh, that's something, you know, a, a bit out there. But actually we engage and enjoy uh, watching horror uh, in all kinds of different ways. And Jurassic Park is a fantastic example, a PG certificate film that had me scared the first time I watched it in the cinema. And Steven Spielberg in, uh, in the Indiana Jones films and that sort of thing. He's a bit of a master at doing just that child level friendly scary. So when we're thinking about horror, I'd like to encourage people to think quite broadly. I would think of elements of Lord of the Rings, elements of uh, C.S. Lewis's work and um, the Harry Potter films. Uh, almost every children's film this day, that's a, this, at the moment that's a PG certificate or above, has some element of horror or threat going on in there. Um, and it's been quite normalised uh, in our culture and for children. So I think I'd like to encourage people to think of horror as a pretty broad thing, to be honest, that probably they encounter more than they realise. OK, so then is there any horror films that you draw the line at and wouldn't watch? Because before I spoke to you, I did have a quick look online at the top 10 highest grossing (laughs) horror films. And there are some names in there that I'll be honest, I wouldn't go near from the likes of The Shining, The Exorcist. So what about you? Are there any red lines? I think, well, again, it's worth saying that horror is a very broad genre. So just like I want to encourage people to think that they engage with it more than they realise. So horror is broad. So you can go from everything from ghost stories and uh, occult themed stories like uh, like The Exorcist or Conjuring through to um, more psychological horror films like Silence of the Lambs or more fantasy fairy tale stuff like Pan's Labyrinth. Um, or you can have body horror like a lot of David Cronenberg's films, The Thing and so forth. Um, or you can have just odd, weird, surreal horror like the films of David Lynch. And so, again, it's as broad as you like. It's like saying, do you like comedy? <laughs> um, or are there any comedy films you would stay away from? It's a very broad genre. So for me, there's not, um, <laughs> if I'm honest, there's not many uh, areas in, in the world of horror that that I would stay away from. I think I'm, in terms of personal taste, I'm not so bothered about the sort of schlock exploitation films of the 70s and 80s. I like a good ghost story. um, And some of our best ghost stories uh, ever written have come from Christians or people associated with the church. And so uh, I like a good ghost story. I think I tend to stay away from the, yeah, the, the more basic slasher, 
lazy kind of splattery sort of films. But yeah, what having a guess at what might be on that top 10, I suspect I've seen most of those. <laughs> okay, okay. And we will pick up what you mentioned there about, you know, Christians and the church actually maybe even creating or, you know, being the inspiration behind some of the most well-known uh, ghost stories. But I want to ask you, you mm. mentioned comedy and how broad that is as a genre. And I know why I enjoy watching comedy, because it makes me laugh. Why do you enjoy watching yeah. scary films? At the, at the heart of it is that same reason there's this emotional response that comes from watching that's why when we watch any kind of film or read a book or telly or, or go to the theater we're seeking some kind of emotional response and i really like that feeling um of, of being a bit scared a bit nervous but i think the key thing about horror films is that um you realize you're not actually under threat so you get a chance in that moment to sort of stand in the shoes of someone who's in a, a scary or threatening situation and you get to sort of live that moment with them and hope that they survive and wonder how they're going to escape. And so a bit like going on a roller coaster or something like that, you get all the thrill of feeling like there's danger and there's tension, but without any of the actual threat to you so just like you like laughing at a comedy i like that feeling a bit of being a bit looking over my shoulder or a bit nervous interesting that might be weird i might be weird there no it's interesting because i wanted to ask you about the increasing popularity around this genre it is the fastest growing film genre according to the times newspaper and we know the popular streaming platform netflix squid games a dystopian Mm. horror series is the most watched show on that platform in the whole world so you've just kind of touched upon it there but is it around this whole idea of this roller coaster of emotions without the threat that you think is drawing people in yeah, I think so. And and we've got to take into account that as a culture, we're becoming uh, a bit desensitized to shocking images and shocking content in the things that we watch. And so, you know, we've got to be wise. But I, I think that's I think that's right. The, the popularity in horror. As we become a bit more comfortable in our country and in the West, um, so we have to seek out ways of engaging our whole range of emotions that God has given us. And I also think on a much less spiritual level and a simple level, it's cheap. It's really cheap to make horror films and they're, and they gross huge figures. Um, so Netflix don't have to invest much uh, in making a horror film in order to see massive return. And, and the same with horror studios throughout the last century, they've almost been able to guarantee that if they can make a cheap horror film, uh, that that connects with an audience, then they're onto a winner financially. So it, there's business behind it as well. Okay. So then moving on to something that you are well versed in, you've written about this in your dissertation, looking at the theology of horror, but should Christians watch this genre? I mean, what does the Bible teach us about this topic? <laughs> the answer is yes and no. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there's a caveat, I guess, with with what I say that uh, this isn't for for me a, a blanket uh, encouragement of people to watch horror films. And just like any piece of art or any genre or any medium, not every example is a good example. You know, there's there's good art and bad art. There's good music and bad music, and the same with horror films. So uh, they're not all made equal, um, and so there's still some 
uh, apart apart from the spiritual side of things, there's there's just a matter of you know knowing what makes it a good piece of art and what makes a good piece of entertainment. But as Christians, I think that the yes or no answer uh, comes more about um, perhaps the way we've been wired a little bit. So, you know, Paul encourages uh, the Corinthians to, to to when they're struggling with an issue of conscience about uh, eating meat that's been sacrificed to idols. And and some of the Corinthians aren't bothered about that at all, and others really are. Their, their conscience is, is worried about the idea that they might be engaging in something that, um, that has associations with their past religious practices and the, the cultural religious practices. And so there's a matter of conscience going on here. And f- for some Christians, they'll really feel quite strongly and quite sensitively that no, this isn't something that they want to watch or engage with. There are images or ideas or stories that particularly kind of stirs them up and they don't want to be a part of that. And my wife is a great example of one of those. We can't sit down together and watch a horror film. Um, it just doesn't, just doesn't happen. Um, and, and partly that's a matter of taste and partly that's a matter of conscience. And so one thing, you know, I would be really careful uh, and upfront about saying is, you know, Paul, Paul says, don't cause another brother or sister to stumble in these matters of conscience. And so I'm certainly not saying, hey, everybody who's listening, uh, go out and start watching that top 10 list of horror films. But for Christians who can uh, and do enjoy watching it, there are still serious questions to ask about what we take in, how we engage with it, how we understand it. But I, w- I would encourage, for a number of reasons, I would encourage Christians who are interested to at least give it a little try. And there's perhaps there's a scale. You could start with Jurassic Park before you get to the exorcist. But, um, you know, I would encourage Christians to some degree to think about this. I, I can mention some of the reasons why. But yeah, we'll, uh, go, we'll go into that in a moment. You, you mentioned Paul's writing to the Corinthians in the New Testament, but I also was thinking of that really... One of my favourite passages, actually, Paul writes to the Philippian church to say that they, to encourage them to fix our thoughts. And it's for an encouragement for us in this 2022 as well, to fix our thoughts on what is lovely, on what is pure, (laughs) excellent and worthy of praise. And I bring that up because I'm aware that what we consume affects how we feel and function. You know, if if I was to eat just burgers and chips and nothing else, I would Ultimately, I wouldn't live very long, would I? Is this not the right. same for our minds? What we allow through our eyes and our ears affects us. It absolutely does, doesn't it? And um, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great argument and a great sort of verse to hold on to for for people who might be cautious. But I would say, you know, that, w- that we shouldn't uh, just pluck out uh, that verse outside of what Paul is talking with the Philippians about, and then and then drop it in to apply to issues of popular culture today for instance um you know i think when paul is saying that he's he he is also saying to them look whatever you've learned or received from me put put that into practice and they've learned the full gospel from paul and so they've learned a story of a savior who gave up his rights uh who lived uh, a life of relative poverty was a refugee for a time. The very one of the very first stories we read about Jesus is the fact that his birth was the inspiration then for uh, an infanticide, uh, killing of hundreds of of children. And then, you know, of course, we come to the crucifixion itself that Paul would have spoken to the Philippians with about in great depth. 
and, and the horror of the crucifixion, if anyone has watched, and I would class The Passion of a Christ as a horror film. If anyone's watched The Passion of the Christ, then they, <laughs> they're familiar with that, the levels of, of physical um, violence uh, and pain that Jesus endured and suffered. Uh, and Jesus encounters demons, the demonic. And, and so the New Testament writers talk about the reality of, uh, of, of demonic possession and oppression and the spiritual battle that is going on behind the scenes. You know, Paul says our battle is not really against flesh and blood, but against powers and, and principalities in, in the heavenly realms. And so I think Paul's saying to them, you know, think about whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure. That must in their mind include the gospel. And so it must include the reality of life, mm. that it is both light and dark. There is good and evil. There is life and there is death. There is joy and there is suffering. And Ecclesiastes is a great book, again, for reminding us actually the reality of life. And it's one thing I love about the Bible is it doesn't pretend that, that life is all jolly and easy and we're in some fairyland. The Bible is real about horror. And I think if we pretend that becoming a Christian uh, and living as a Christian is, is just a bed of roses and all sweetness and light, then we're actually not quite honouring what Paul is asking the Philippians to do there. In thinking about what's pure and lovely and right, that must include the whole of the reality of what it is to live in God's world, broken as it is by sin. But, but the whole reality of existence, uh, Paul doesn't want them to pretend that life isn't hard or that things aren't dark sometimes. It's interesting because, I mean, you only have to tune into the news uh, to see the horrors that are going on across yeah. our world. So it is interesting you bringing in that, the reality of the darkness. And we know as Christians, like you say, there is a spiritual darkness at work in our yeah. world, in our you know nation. So help us understand then in 2022 how modern horror TV shows film can help people, you believe, cope with the horrors of this world. Yeah, that's that's a great point because nothing that we encounter in, in art, in culture, in film, cinema, it just comes out of a vacuum. It's all a response uh, to what's going on in the world at that time. And so horror, just like, just like any other genre, in fact, I think in quite an honest way, horror helps us to process the horrors that we see in, in real life and in the real world. And I think that's always been the case because we've always uh, encounter horrific things in this world. And that wasn't God's, part of God's design and that wasn't God's plan for people. And yet now we live in a world where horror and evil and death and sin and brokenness are just, just part of the fabric, the reality of life in this world. And so, for instance, uh, you might get a series of films in the late 70s, early 80s. The slasher film became really popular. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, Friday the 13th, I Spit on Your Grave. And there's an argument to say that the visceral images and the shocking images of those came out of uh, American cinema makers, particularly trying to process the horrific images that they'd seen come out of Vietnam, because Vietnam was really the first televised week by week account of a war going on. And there were shocking images coming through from, from Vietnam that people had just never seen before. And so we've got the same thing now as we kind of uh, try and process what's going on in Afghanistan, in Syria, in the Ukraine. 
the horror of what we read about what is going on there, it would not surprise me if in a year's time, there are films that are in some way, horror films that are in some way trying to help us process the horror of what's going on in our world at the moment. There was a series of films in the early 2000s, the mid 2000s that really dealt with the grief that mothers face. One was uh, a Nicole Kidman film, The Others. Uh, another was The Orphanage. There was a film called The Babadook um, that, that were basically dealing with grief. What do you do when you lose a husband or a child? How, how do we cope with that? The horror of death. Um, and I think the Bible's realistic. You know, death is horrible. And if we were to live in a country where we were facing it day by day, we might not need a horror film uh, or, or horror TV or culture to help us process these things. There might be a different way and a need to process them uh, in a more sensitive way. But for us, it is a way of engaging with a part of, of life in this world. Interesting. You mentioned the Vietnam War. Um, and I've mm. been speaking to some people who have grandparents who served in the Second World War, saw some unbelievable mm. things and not only saw it, were experiencing it. And many of them couldn't watch films later in life about war, couldn't watch scary Absolutely. films, could barely even talk about it. So what about that yeah. argument that actually when you've been through such trauma, you know, it can watching yeah. it can trigger and can bring it all back again. Absolutely. And and that, you know, and that's where wisdom is required. And I think as well as it's right for us to be sensitive about the different things that people have experienced in life. So equally uh, watching, uh, you know, a drama film about a divorce or um, or child abuse or, or something uh, that that might trigger people who have been through those kind of terrible traumas, um, just as in any genre, then drama probably is even more <laughs> a bit of a minefield uh, about what you watch. And, and the same, you know, Schindler's List, more, more Steven Spielberg, Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan, horrific horrific films and events, um, cataloging things that, that really happen in life. And yet every Christian who enjoys those films has got to ask, well, what am I looking for when I watch this? Uh, some kind of emotional response, but also entertainment and art and character and plot development and emotional engagement. For me, the hardest genre to watch uh, is the romantic comedy. Um, I find that I find that far more horrific than a <laughs> slasher film, um, because I think what's going on in those films tr triggers me in terms of my, um, my 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 areas of potential sinfulness or my areas of uh, sensitivity. So watching films, romantic comedies these days uh, tend to be pretty crude, tend to have a pretty lacks approach to ideas of extramarital affairs, um, cheating, casual sex. Um, they tend to be pretty shallow about what counts as love and beauty and acceptance and meaningful relationship. They tend to be pretty uh, lax on the idea of, of commitment as well and monogamy. And so I find watching romantic comedies trigger me far more. Um, there's something a bit more insidious and a bit less honest about them sometimes than a, than a good old 
shoot them up. <laughs> that is a very interesting point that you make around the insidious nature of other things that can affect us. And we can't unsee something, you know? And yeah. what about that argument that horror, we're talking about horror, but I, I do acknowledge what you're saying around romantic comedies that, yeah, you know, yeah, but, yeah, we're well, no, but you can also draw in on that, what you're sharing, but the idea that, you know, horror opens our minds up to things that we may otherwise wouldn't have known about or thought about. I'm thinking yeah. particularly around the dark spiritual, you know, the occult things that the Bible does say yeah. that we shouldn't go near. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. So so we should be we should be aware of a difference between <laughs> watching a fictional account of something taking place and engaging with it ourselves. So if I watch a film where someone does have an affair, that doesn't mean that I've had an affair and it doesn't mean that I'm going to go out and have an affair. In fact, a story I like to tell is of a friend of mine who wasn't a Christian. He saw The Exorcist in the cinema when it was re-released in, in 1999, I think it was. And um, he said he was absolutely scared out of his mind. Um, and he said he would never again even consider going near a Ouija board. And so actually what that film did for him as, as someone who, who wasn't a Christian, didn't have uh, any particular religious belief or spiritual beliefs, it, it, it opened up to him the possibility that there was spiritual reality, spiritual good and spiritual evil. And it kind of confirmed to him that if that is a possibility, then he doesn't want to mess around with the stuff that will <laughs> get him into trouble um, or, or, or fall in with, with evil spiritual forces. So the story of the exorcist, the, the way this demon is invited into this family's life is by a girl finding a Ouija board in the basement and, and playing with it. And so actually there's a case for saying these films that engage with real issues uh, of spiritual reality and good and evil, particularly if they're done well, should make you come out feeling, I don't want to mess with that. I don't know anyone who's watched The Conjuring and then thought, great idea, let's have a seance. Mm. <laughs> um, let's see if we can conjure up um, a, a demon or an evil spirit or entity. So I think you've got a genre there, particularly with the spiritual occult-themed ghost story, uh, demonic possession stories, that give a way in for Christians to be able to say, I believe this is real stuff. Now, not necessarily the Hollywood portrayal of it all, but I believe these are real topics and real issues. Jesus encountered demons. And, you know, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I'm not scared of them. I know the one who's defeated Satan and sin and, and, and death. And so when I watch something like The Exorcist, I enjoy the, the scare of it. I enjoy the tension of it. Um, but, but as I come out of it, I say, well, thank you, God, that, that, you know, your son is the one who has defeated spiritual evil. Thank you that there is someone greater than the forces of evil in this world. And thank you that the victory has been won at the cross. And so for me, you know, to, to watch those things on screen is a separate thing from condoning those behaviors or, 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 or agreeing with them. And, and trying to remember as well, you know, these are people in a room when the bed is shaking in The Exorcist. Uh, that's people behind a fake wall shaking the bed with their arms and legs. Um, it, it's, not, it's not reality. It's a portrayal of reality to tell a story, to engage us emotionally. Um, the director of The Exorcist, you know, thought of it really. He, he was a, a practicing Catholic. 
Um, uh, and uh, he thought of it as a particularly Christian film. Um, Billy Graham disagreed with him, <laughs> but they were um, they agreed that there was something powerful, powerful about the story, something very real and, and, and earthy and gritty about the story of, of good versus evil, the spiritual uh, and the physical realms encountering one another. That's interesting. You've helped me think of the book, one of my favourite C.S. Lewis books, The Screwtape Letters. Now, if I've not yes. made it clear, I am not a horror fan. I cannot watch horror. <laughs> but The Screwtape Letters is one of my favourite books. It is, if you've never read it, definitely recommended. It's a story. Uh, and, and C.S. Lewis actually talks about how, how difficult he found to write about it from the perspective of a demon with yeah. a patient, which is a human, and flipping the whole kind of idea of God on its head. So seeing the devil as, I think they call him our father below and the enemy above, which is obviously, as we yes. know, our father yeah. in heaven and, and the enemy below. And um, it's interesting you sharing about this idea of, it, for example, um, The Exorcist, which again, I would never watch, but it, it helping some people to even just come to terms with this, the reality that there is a spiritual world. And it isn't this kind of, uh, you mm. know, fictitious reality, but it's real. Because in the, a quote from the book is, uh, I think it's Uncle Screwtape says to his nephew, he's writing these letters to, that, you know, the journey to hell isn't this kind of sharp drop. It's a gentle, slow journey, slowly down. And this whole idea that if you've never actually come to terms with there being God, whether that's through, I suppose, like you're saying, being scared into it, then you are on that path slowly, gently, comfortably down. So it's an interesting point you make. Horror can be used as a tool for evangelism. Absolutely. I think we're missing a trick as the church there. In fact, I, there's an article I, I read when I was researching for my, for my dissertation written by uh, an American atheist, I think actually a, an ex-evangelical. And he was, he was livid that Hollywood is pouring all this money and, and customers are, are lining up at the cinemas to watch these horror films. He called them Christian propaganda. These stories that talk about spiritual good and evil, you know, traditionally, and again, you've got to be aware that they're Hollywoodized versions of these things. But you know, the Catholic priest will come in and he'll perform an exorcism, and and this and this journalist was was livid at the idea that the world is just eating this up. And so, as as Christians, I think we're we're, we're um I don't know. We can we can responsibly engage with horror in a way that we can then share our faith with people. I think. You know, I cynically said earlier, one of the reasons the horror genre is so popular is because it's cheap to make, but also people do like to consume it. And so in a world where, you know, we, we would be told that we're, in, we're enlightened uh, and, you know, spiritual things are of the past, actually millions and millions of people every day are watching films that, uh, and reading books and that, that is helping them to process, could there be more? And as Christians who believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, we say, yes, there is more. And what's more, there is good news. Uh, there is a story of grace uh, and a savior who, who has rescued us from uh, the evil of this world, who has provided a way that we might have hope uh, and deliverance from the wrong things that, that, uh, that have gone on in this world. And so I think there are millions of people genuinely searching for answers about spiritual things. And horror is a way, a safe way, and a way that they can do it without getting made fun of by their mates. Horror is a way of engaging with 
the reality that there could be something more. And so Christians should be ready, I think, at least even if you haven't watched the films, to be able to know what are popular at the moment, to be able to know what kind of things people are watching. Maybe just do a quick read on the Internet Movie Database or something like that to get an idea of the plot. And that might be more than enough for some of your listeners. But um it may be then that they can engage. And, and again, parents shouldn't be naive to think that their children aren't, uh, aren't or won't be exposed to these films. And so to be able as Christian parents to talk with your children about the content of horror films, to be able to talk uh, in a church setting or in an evangelistic setting about the themes that horror brings up from death and grief to spiritual good and evil to um, the nature of religion, to the nature of humanity, for our need for a, a savior, um, for the, the, the pain that we face in this life. Um, the, Stephen King uh, had a quote in, in his book, Dance Macabre, uh, which is his sort of reflection on the horror genre. Um, a really interesting book. But one of the things that he says is this, that the main purpose of horror is to reaffirm the virtues of, of, of what culture thinks is normal by showing us the awful things that happen to people who venture into taboo lands. So in other words, Stephen King saying the, the, the whole point of horror is to say, if you go down these bad paths, here's the bad stuff that happens. And so the horror, the horror film works to sort of reaffirm the things that culture says uh, and Christian culture says is, is good and right and safe. Um, and not taboo. So you could say, like in the nature of fairy tales, that horror stories often are parables warning us against the dangers of, um, <laughs> particularly in slasher films, against uh, sex outside of marriage um, or in uh, the occult themed films about the dangers of messing with um, things we don't understand and can't control. Um, so Stephen King says there's quite a puritanical sort of streak to the horror genre and, and quite a strong moral code to many of the films that, that we see in the books that we read in that genre. Mm. And I suppose it does, like you've explained, it helps to open up that question about, is there good and evil? You know, if we are mm. here by chance, there's no creator, which we know God is that creator. Right. If it's just random, then why, why not just accept your own, you know, what you know to be right and wrong but like you've explained and we have a deep understanding because we're made in the image of a good loving God of when things are wrong when they're harmful when something's been abused and we know it's wrong so I've never thought of it yeah. like that so that's very interesting I must pick you up you and you mentioned um, at the top of the conversation how the church has been involved in actually inspiring some of what you say are the greatest ghost stories yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting thing. So somewhere in the middle of the 20th century, the church stopped uh, and perhaps evangelical Christianity stopped being an influence on the culture around us and started becoming influenced by it instead. And so then we withdrew from it. But actually, historically, um, right, trace it right back to the writing of, of scripture. And before, our storytelling has always involved elements of horror. Um, and so you think of the images, if, if I say to someone, think of the devil or think of hell, they will think of, you know, the, the horned figure with the pointy tail painted in red, and they will think of hellfire. And um, all, all that sort of imagery comes from 
um, medieval art and Dante's Inferno. Uh, so these these are works by by Catholics or Christians, uh, church church people um, in in the past that have shaped the cultural image of things like the devil, hell, demons, you know, the, the tortures of hell, the fear and the peril of it. Um, you know, if you Google that, you'll probably find some awful <laughs> paintings from um, the, the, the last millennium that, that are really quite horrible pictures that have come from Christian culture um, and that have, you know, not necessarily accurate, biblically accurate either, but are helping people process and understand uh, the realities of spiritual good and evil. And then if, if anyone ever picks up the book of Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, it's chock full of scripture. <laughs> There's loads of Bible in it. Um, I don't know actually whether Bram Stoker was a Christian, but certainly uh, there's a lot of, uh, of Bible talk in there. The stories of M.R. Um, James, M.R. James and uh, Arthur Machen, uh, sh- short stories that have really become popular, popularly embedded into to horror culture, stories like Turn of the Screw. Um, they, they're from people uh, who were brought up in the church or worked in the church or were ordained ministers, um, maybe of quite a broad uh, theology in, in, in some cases, but still the church has been involved in creating some of the best horror stories ever told and some of the enduring classics and some of the images of, of, of horrific things have come from some of the greatest artists in the world who are from Christian backgrounds. And so at some point, as I say, in the 20th century, we, we stopped being bold in engaging politically and socially and intellectually and creatively with, with, with culture. And we started to withdraw. So instead of watching uh, and being involved in creating films, in the culture, we've started creating Christian films instead of engaging creatively with uh, music and musical culture. We've created a sort of genre of Christian music. Um, and I'm not saying those things are bad in and of themselves, but I think they are bad if what it means is that as Christians, we're scared of the world around. That's the irony of this, <laughs> that we're scared of the world around us. We've withdrawn from engaging with culture. And so we have nothing to say to the non-Christian who watches these films, who reads these books, who listens to this music, um, because we've decided to put ourselves in a sort of safe bubble, I guess, um, and stood back from engaging with those things. I think it's time that Christians and the church say, we know the saviour who has defeated death and sin and evil. And so we can, with wisdom and discernment granted, uh, we can engage with these stories, these images, these ideas in such a way that we can say to people, you know, there's a greater story. Some of these things are real. Some of these things are true and truly dangerous. Um, and this world is full of horror, isn't it? But do you want to meet the saviour who has defeated these things and find hope in this world? Wow. I mean, I was going to ask you to give a final thought of- you know, given the growing popularity of horror uh, for some, you know, your advice for church leaders and parents and carers yeah. of how we should engage with horror uh, responsibly as as you've, you know, laid out. But I think that point around 
engaging with culture is a really important mm. point. Probably even a whole other Life Issues podcast, really. But yeah, sure. it's interesting you've drawn out the idea that, you know, we can be culture influencers rather than be influenced by culture. So do you have a final thought yes. for us, thinking of someone listening who has got maybe young people, maybe someone even like me mm. who struggles with horror but does want to not be frightened by it? Yeah. Um, so I, I think... You know, I would encourage people, as I said earlier, I, you know, sort of caveated all this by saying, don't go against your conscience. Don't do something, uh, watch something and read something that you feel God is just saying, no, that, that's not for you. Uh, so use wisdom. Um, but, but we're not to judge. So, <laughs> again, when when Paul is writing to the Corinthians and they haven't kicked this guy out of their, their church for sexual immorality. He hasn't um, uh, confessed and repented and, and yet they haven't done anything about it. Um, and Paul says to them that I, I told you not to engage with the sexually immoral, um, but not meaning those in the world. Uh, so, you know, if, if you don't engage with people uh, who, who, who are engaged in uh, things that you might disapprove of in the world, if you're judging the world, looking from your Christian bubble and judging the world, you will never have a meaningful conversation with a non-Christian. Paul says, rather, it was those brothers and sisters in the church who were continuing to engage in practices that were disobedient to God that you were to separate yourself from. And so Paul was really clear to the church there, engage with the world don't hide yourself from the reality of, of the things that are messed up in this world, because otherwise you will never meet a non-Christian and you will never get a chance to share the hope that Jesus offers with them. So I, I think uh, I, I would encourage people to just think, okay, even if I don't like this stuff, how might I be able to understand it? I hate sport. I can't, I couldn't give a monkeys about sport, but I try and keep up with a few things that are going on in the world of sport. So I have something to talk about when I meet people who love sport. And I think horror being such a hot issue uh, and such a popular genre, particularly with the next generation, um, to just be aware of it and to not judge, not to jump to a quick judgment of people who enjoy that genre by saying, well, you're clearly disobeying uh, the Lord or you're clearly engaging with something that's wrong. But to be able to say, is it a bit more nuanced than that? How can I engage thoughtfully? How can we reclaim some of that intellectual engagement with culture? How can we reclaim some of that engagement with the creative arts? We have a story to tell um, as Christians. If you want to know the good news, you must first understand how bad the bad news is. Yeah, if you want to know how good grace is, you've got to first understand how awful and terrible sin is. And so if we only present the gospel to people as, you know, come to know Jesus, he'll be your best friend, everything will be wonderful, um, but we don't acknowledge that that, that first we, we've got to be realistic about the horror of this life and we've got to be realistic and honest about the horrors that Jesus faced in order to win salvation for us. Then to think about what's true, true and good and pure and beautiful to come back to that is to engage the whole of life, not to be scared of it. So I think, you know, encourage I'd encourage you, uh, I'd encourage church pastors, I'd encourage parents to, to not think of this as a taboo topic to not be shocked and offended when they meet members of their congregation or when their children have been to a sleepover and watch, but to be ready to talk and to be ready to look a bit deeper and say, what's, what's the true horror in that film? 
is it is it death is it loss is it violence is it revenge is it sexual immorality is it lack of trust is it you know uh, and to just say let's let's think a bit deeper than the surface you know, zombie films you know, is it consumerism that was a big mm. deal for for many of the zombie films that came out countering the ideas of 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 the meaninglessness of war but also the meaninglessness of consumerism um so yeah i just encourage people to not be scared to dig a bit deeper to think about these things and not to be threatened by it um god is bigger than this stuff we have the privilege of being able to engage uh, and to meet people who who want to engage with it um and we get the privilege of being able to put a christian perspective across Ewan Jones, my guest for this week's Life Issues podcast, encouraging us to think about our influence as well as what influences us. I went into this Life Issues podcast conversation with the strongly held view that horror is harmful and shouldn't be watched. Couldn't see any reason it would be helpful. But Ewan has really opened my eyes. Not that I want to watch horror or be part of the horror genre in any way but I can see how God can use it to reach people thank you so much to you and Jones and to you for joining us in this week's episode of the UCB Life Issues podcast <laughs>